Happy New Moon, Happy New Year. It's uh, actually a very auspicious time right now because remember we always talked about how these Sundays... Oops, wait. I am... Um, who are you? Wait a sec. This one, this USB is missing. All these USBs. Sorry. Now I think uh, maybe... Yes. I'm alive. So, hello everybody again. Uh, thanks for bearing with me as I figure things out. Again, I told you I'm traveling. I just landed a few days ago from Athens to uh, Tel Aviv. And hopefully I will be able to go to London and see those of you in person in London. We have a few classes uh, uh, prepared for that, if um, virus permitting. And uh, I hope you had an amazing new year. And the funny thing is that literally right now is the new moon in Capricorn. I'm talking about right, 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 right now, if you want to be very Virgo-like and very precise. So because of that, I know that some of you are joining uh, as we go along. And I'm sorry, there's this really interesting uh, air condition here that turns on randomly, quite noisy. So I hope it won't interfere with us. So if you can just close your eyes for a second, you don't have to if you don't want to, and you can do it later if you want. I just want us to use this new moon uh, as it is happened to be the first new moon of the year. And it is so close to the actual new year that I think it makes this new year more energetic in a sense because there is literally a really good reason to start the new year not on January 1st, but at least in January 2nd, which is kind of interesting because it is 2022 and we're starting the year really on the 2nd. So we see that the number two is going to give us a pretty important, um, let's say, um, synchronicity. So we remember we talked about this year as being a year that is very connected to relationship, to partnerships, to some form of mirror. So if you could close your eyes and just... Allow yourself to center, put both your feet if you're sitting in the ground, anchoring your Pisces into the ground. If you are sitting, you're also having your thighs on the chair. Thighs are the other sign that is ruled by Jupiter, the planet of expansion, the grand benevolent, benevolent planet planet that literally expands. It's a gas planet, but it also represents expansion and opportunities. You're putting your Sagittarius on your chair. You can even lean back if you have a support. Don't lean back if you don't. And that support is actually in Hebrew called Samech, to trust. It's the letter that is associated with Sagittarius. So we trust in our position, in our ability to sit and relax now connect to your breath, breathe deep, channeling your breath to your feet, imagining how the breath anchors you even deeper as if you're sending these roots into the ground, into the chair. If you're lying down on your bed, imagine the same thing coming from your back, which is ruled by Leo, which is the sign of spirituality. So it's interesting that when we meditate and we sit and feel our thighs or we sit and feel our feet which is spices or lie down and experience our spinal cord touching 
a surface that supports us, all of those have to do with some element of spirituality. As it is said in Psalm, Be still and know that I am God. So I want you to connect to your breath, but because we are now in the realm of Capricorn, the sign that rules the skin, your bones, your joints, your teeth, your knees, I want you to focus on these organs now that the moon and the sun are kissing each other. 12 degrees Capricorn, it's very symbolic. 12 apostles, 12 tribes, 12 signs, 12 messengers. Even the symbol of Anahata, the heart chakra, is the 12 petals encircling the six-pointed star, which is the numerology of 2022. And here we are on the second day of 2022, adding another two to the three twos. And I want you to now focus on what is it that you want to achieve in 2022. You don't have to start it today because Venus is retrograde, but you can formulate it, conceptualize it, ground it, and even find within you What is it that you want? And in this new moon, this new moon on a very auspicious degree, 12, you can set your intention for 2022 since Capricorn takes time to manifest and to bring into fruition. Capricorn is an olive tree. It takes a long time to bear fruit, but it is the gift of Athena. Something that you can use all the parts of it. That's why olives are very much associated with Capricorn, which keyword for Capricorn is I use. You can use every part of the olive tree. That is the reason why Athena won the contest among the gods and goddesses to be the protector of Athens. So I want you to imagine yourself in an olive grove, ancient trees. And try to imagine how you're choosing the olive tree that you connect to the most. That feels familiar. And lean against the trunk of the tree, imagining how you're feeling the bark in your spinal cord, your Leo part. Leo rules the heart that is supposed to open for you in 2022. And breathe into this olive tree as you sit there with your back against the tree, supported, the letter Samech in Hebrew, to trust, to be close to, adjacent. And just allow your breath to really connect to the tree. Imagine yourself becoming at one with the bark, with the roots, with the trunk, with the branches, with the olives, the pits of the olive, with the oil that can come up from the olive. Really immerse yourself in that Capricorn tree. I want you now to really focus on what do you want 
from 2022 and make sure that what you want and what you need are one and the same and support each other? Really focus deep on your goals for 2022 and draw from this ancient tree that takes a long time to grow the strength, the determination, the discipline, the persistence, the endurance, the tenacity that you need in order to manifest whatever it is that you need in 2022. And now that the sun and the moon are literally coming together, imagine both your masculine and feminine sides committing to support this mission. A new moon represents the marriage of the sun and the moon, not the opposition, the union, which is all what 2022 is about, hence the twos. And take a few breaths now, fully committed to achieving what you decide is needed for your life, something that you can use, something that will help your life have this skeleton bones are ruled by capricorn something that can support you sustain you because capricorn rules career success ambition and i want you now as you focus on what is it that you want to achieve to imagine how you're folding that wish or that resolution that you want to manifest into the pit of that olive, putting it in the seed, imagining how you reach out and grab that olive and put it in your mouth and swallow it, making it part of you. I want you to focus on your knees, putting a lot of light and energy in your knees. I want you to imagine also how your skin shines, heals. Skin is ruled a lot of time by karma. A lot of time we can see the map of our past lives on our skin. Focus on putting energy into your teeth that are also ruled by Capricorn and your joints. And take three long breaths before you slowly open your eyes and come back to the here and now. And when you are ready, we can begin. So, Happy New Year. We are officially crossed over into the land of 2022. Uh, exciting that we made it that far. And hopefully this year will be easier or more meaningful or more creative, healthier. We still have to deal with, you see how the years carry stuff 
one year after the other, 2021, had to deal with 2020. Now we're in 2022. We have to deal with what happened 2021 and so forth. It's like a chain. But hopefully 2022 with Jupiter moving into Pisces, which just happened, can really give us a lot of help. Uh, last week, we talked about Jupiter just moving into Pisces, and now Jupiter is definitely in Pisces. And because Jupiter is now in the beginning of Pisces, remember we said that every sign, the first 10 days of every sign, it's something to always remember. So the next time you can pay attention to it will be January 20th until January 30th. That will be the beginning of Aquarius, the Aquarius-Aquarius energy. That's also when we're going to do the class, I think, in January 22nd on Aquarius. Always the first 10 day of every sign. It doesn't matter if it's your sign or not. That's when the essence of that sign is, the core of that sign. That's when most of the stories of that sign will be told to you. So always pay attention to the first 10 days. But the same thing goes for transits. I know it's a little bit more complicated, but the same way that the sun moves in the first 10 days of every sign. So Let's say the next time we said January 20th to 30th. Also, the other planets that are transiting are super important. For example, March of 2023 is going to be very dramatic because Saturn throughout 2023 is going to be moving in the first 10 degrees of Pisces. For example, when uh, 2020 happened, right in March of 2020, for, the for all of 2020, Saturn was in the first 10 degrees of Aquarius. That's why we all had to be confined, why we had to change the way we look even at uh, communities and companies had to completely change their structure because of the pandemic. So always remember that whatever planet we are talking about in transits, the first uh, 10 degrees that the planet is crossing is the most profound. That's when the story is untold. Then slowly it unfolds and you get more and more clues. Uh, that's why now Saturn is at the end of Aquarius, uh, moving next year, 2023, into Pisces. But when Jupiter is now the ruler of Pisces, in the first 10 days of Pisces, it is the most profound. So I really recommend getting you to start writing your dreams. Uh, we talked about dreams quite a lot here. And I also mentioned the, that if you can set an alarm clock uh, for every not every, but let's say every an hour and a half we get into REM uh, on the average. So if you can, and if you can do it to set up, especially on the weekend, alarms for after four and a half hours or after six hours of sleep, most likely you're going to wake up in the middle of the dream. And even though it will be annoying if it's a very nice dream, you will remember it. So that's something that you should definitely try, especially now when Jupiter is in Pisces. You always wanted to dance, but you can't go out dancing now because of the pandemic. Then put some YouTubes uh, that teaches steps and do it yourself at home. Uh, yoga will be great for you guys. Meditations are going to be very, very deep and, and profound in the next, um, it's definitely until May. So this is a great opportunity to flow with Pisces and really work with Jupiter in Pisces because it happens every 10 years. And we'll talk about it and I'll give you the dates in a second. So if we look at certain things that um, I prepared for you, uh, first of all, yes, uh, I wanted to mention something that uh, Laura Day, you know that sometimes I participate in her Instagrams and you know that I work with her quite a lot. She's the bestseller author of uh, The Circle and uh, Practical Intuition. 
And her husband, who is a very uh, successful screenwriter, he wrote The Americans, he wrote uh, Wall Street, if you know some of his movies. Anyway, we're going to do a workshop together tentatively in Esalen between February 7 to 13. The thing is that they canceled uh, a retreat that was supposed to be there and they contacted uh, Laura asking her if she wants to do a retreat with us. And the thing you need to do if you want to, you want to go for the weekend or you want to go for the whole week or if you want to go for just the five days, uh, just email teach at sln.org and put attention to Megan and just tell her that you would like to participate in Gals and Laura's workshop. And then they can see if there's enough interest to fill that gap because a lot of classes, uh, the teachers canceled and we decided to jump on it. So if you are interested, just you don't have to commit to anything. You just have to email her and say that you're tentatively interested. And then we can see if we can make it happen. I hope so, because it's an amazing place. Even in the winter, if you know, Esalen has a lot of magic. That's the only place that the redwoods, the symbol of wisdom, are touching the the ocean. So it's a, it's a really magical place. That's actually the place that uh, Joseph Campbell taught. There's a lot of hot springs there that are sacred to Native Americans. It's really a magical place. So if we can go there, that will be great. So again, if you're interested, just um, uh, email teach at sln.org. Now, uh, I saw that in Instagram and I thought that's really beautiful. I saw that just a week ago. Uh, I don't really know where it's from, but I immediately thought about the six-pointed star that we talked about as being the symbol of 2022 because of the 222. Uh, it's a triangle. Remember, Pythagoras thought that the triangle is the most important of all shapes. Uh, so that was really beautiful. And maybe you should try it at home. And of course, uh, this I got from Jerry Science. It's kind of interesting, a new phenomena, or maybe it's not that new in, in Pakistan, that people are smoking Scorpio uh, venom. I don't think you should try it at home. Uh, they believe that if you do that, or that's what they describe, that when they smoke uh, or inhale the Scorpio venom, they start seeing everything dance around them. But it's really interesting because it happened just when and the same day that the south node moved into Scorpio. And remember, now until July 11 of 2023, the north and the south node moved into Taurus and Scorpio, which means that we have to focus on the qualities of Taurus and let go of the negative qualities of Scorpio, including smoking their venom. So it's kind of interesting that all of these somehow manifest and come together. But what I wanted to show you is that this is the new moon we're experiencing right now, literally right now. Uh, this is uh, the sun and moon together, right together here on um, in Capricorn, 12 degrees, like I told you. And the Sabian symbol is a fire, what is it? Yeah, a fire worshiper. It's kind of interesting because Mars happens to be in Sagittarius right now. And again, the Sabian symbol has always been a very interesting guiding light for astrologers because it's pretty random. It's almost like going, I, a week ago I went to Delphi uh, in Greece. I hope I can show you some pictures. I didn't compile it all. Maybe I'll send you a, an email about it. It was a very interesting experience. If you haven't been to Delphi in uh, Greece, you should definitely go. It's a really magical place. I mean, I had one of my deepest meditations there. And uh, these oracles of the Sabian symbol was channeled by a woman that really resembled to me the oracle of Delphi, the Pythian, uh, how she was called. Because at um, the oracle of Delphi, if you know, there was some vapors that came out of a 
gorge or some kind of a crack in the earth, you can say. And what happened to the women there that they really aged very, very fast. They were 16, 17, but they said that they looked like they were 50 or 60. And even these Sabian symbols were channeled by a woman who was uh, confined to her wheelchair. And it's really interesting. I'm not saying that you can't really be an oracle without some element of pain or some element of sacrifice, but it's somehow related together. And maybe because Apollo relates to the heart and it, they were sitting between two pillars, know thyself and nothing in excess, just like in Kabbalah, the pillar of expansion to know yourself and the pillar of restriction to put some boundaries and a lot of time, it relates to the god, that, Leo, that, that energy of the sun. The sun is Apollo. Apollo was, of course, the god of plagues and also the god of healing. But there was always this element of sacrifice in order to gain that kind of knowledge. And anyway, the symbol of a fire worshiper is interesting uh, because we are talking about a year that is related to the heart and related to the sun. And we talked about how a color that's recommended for this year to work with is gold and yellow fire worshiper maybe it will come in your dreams fire worshiper for me fire is action movement so if i will be attempting to interpret this uh, sabian symbol because it's not only about today because we are starting a new moon a new a new month in a sense we're talking about the next 28 days so the next 28 days are marked by the symbol of a fire worshiper. Maybe you'll meet a Leo or an Aries or a Sagittarius or a person who is very fiery and you will be able to be inspired by that person. Or maybe the fire elements in your chart are going to rise much more. Maybe the importance of the houses or the planets that you have in fire. And because Mars is going to be in Sagittarius now, maybe it is related to more action that is needed. Even though Venus is now retrograde, Mars is not retrograde. Mars is actually sending, as you can see, a beautiful energy to Chiron, the wounded healer. So there is some movement happening right now. The only thing we talked about it that's a little bit challenging this week, and we'll talk about it when we talk about the flow of the next week, is that Mars is opposite to the black moon, Lilith. And that can create a lot of challenges and negativity, especially coming from mother figures, women of authority, bosses, family members that are acting out, manipulation. Thank God it's not really family time. Actually, it is for the Greek Orthodox because you guys still have the epiphany to deal with on the 6th of January. So yeah, maybe it's not the easiest with some women in your family right now. But overall, this week, if you let go of that black moon, the Mars in Sagittarius is propelling us into action, into movement. And for me, fire worship here means somehow not worshiping, but paying attention and doing something with fire. Don't forget Brahmins, those that were in charge of the sacrifices, even in India, it's named after fire. The ability of putting something into fire that you don't need and resurrecting the energy that you need, like the phoenix that rises out of the flame. So yes, the phoenix is consumed by the flame, but that's also how he gives birth, not he, to itself. So again, this next 28 days, action, movement, doing things, even though Venus is retrograde, even though Mercury is going to retrograde in another uh, 11 days. And remember, we're entering the shadow right now. So things can be a little bit funky in the next, uh, even leading up to the Mercury retrograde. So just be aware of it. But for us, the next 28 days, action and movement will be very, very important. And because we're in Capricorn, I wanted to dedicate uh, the conversation today 
to that duality between Capricorn and Cancer. Because remember, we developed this idea here a lot of time that if we're now in Capricorn and we have the moon in Capricorn, the sun in Capricorn, we have Venus in Capricorn, we have Mercury in Capricorn, Capricorn, Mercury is going to retrograde in Capricorn very soon. So there's a lot of Capricorn activity. We don't have to only focus on Capricorn. We have to focus on the opposite sign, which is Cancer. And that's one of the interesting things about the mythology behind astrology because Capricorn, remember we talked about it many times, the tarot card for Capricorn, and we explained it a lot. Don't have to be freaking out if you're a Capricorn. It is the devil. And the way to work with the devil or to understand the devil or to heal against the negative effect of the fear the devil generates in us, the fear of survival, is to work with the holy water of cancer. Not splashing holy water on people, but realizing that holy water is a symbol of unconditional love, compassion. So what helps against demons is not necessarily water that was taken out of the Jordan River. Believe me, I'm not actually too far now from the Jordan River. It's a nice little river. It's even a little river talk. It's like a little river. And it's not that the water from there can really drive away demons, whatever, or possessions. It is a symbol. Any kind of holy water can do the same thing. What is holy water? unconditional love so we are dealing now as we are in capricorn and maybe now the fear that is resurrected especially now in israel everybody's freaking out because everybody seemed to be sick but it's the same everywhere in the world maybe now it's the omicron you know the little o that is causing problem and remember we talked about it here that the little o omicron is the 15th letter in the Phoenician alphabet, which is the 15th letter in the Greek alphabet, which is the 15th letter in the Hebrew alphabet related to Ein. Ein is the I, and Ein is, of course, the letter of Capricorn. So it all comes together. So maybe now the fear of survival is the fear of this uh, surge of the virus. So again, what helps? Unconditional love. What helps? Cancer. What is cancer? Family. Home sense of security. So I'm not saying you have to be confined to your home, but it means that you have to work as much as you can with your family, your emotions, and the feeling of um, unconditional love. That's basically the magic of cancer that counters Capricorn. But I wanted to talk about the marriage of those two things, Capricorn and cancer. And it's interesting in the chart, if you look at your chart, the lowest place of your chart is considered to be the fourth house, a very important house. The highest place, the zenith of your chart, is called the house of career. And they're both as very, very important. They're opposite to each other and they're part of the cardinal signs. Those signs that are extremely important along with your rising sign and the house of relationship and partnership. That is the cross that the wheel is turning around, that the zodiac wheel is turning around. So it's your rising sign, the opposite to it, it's the entrance to your house of relationship, the zenith, which is career, and the nadir, the lower place, which is your home and family. Now, a lot of time, people wanted, people thought that uh, a house of career is the father, and the house of the ma- the home is the mother. Well, we know now from astrology, because also we're entering the age of Aquarius, which is the age of assimilation, and uh, the father is really the mother, the mother is really the father. There's a lot of change that is happening right now. Now, in astrology, we look at the house of career as the house of the more dominant parent or the person that made you feel they're the provider. It could be the mother, it could be the father. And the lower part of the chart, which is the home, the family, the roots, is the person that was more nurturing. Now, I think that what's happening now is that it's, it's sometimes flipping, you know, like in quantum mechanic. It's like flipping up and down and changing. And that is probably what uh, the age of Aquarius is all about. 
the age of uh, transition and changes between I and we, between mother and father, or between career and home. But Capricorn traditionally represents the energy of the father, and the ruler of Capricorn, Saturn, is representing the father in your chart, and the mother is a lot of time represented by the house of, or sorry, the family is represented by Cancer, and of course, the ruler of Cancer is the moon. Now, what I wanted to talk about is the interesting idea of ancestral karma. Everybody, you guys have a lot of ancestral karma. All of us have it. It's not that some, somebody did a terrible thing in your family and now we um, have to deal with it uh, or you have to deal with it necessarily. It's not necessarily like that. What I'm talking about when I'm talking about ancestral karma is your DNA, your epigenetics. So a lot of what we carry from past lifetimes is information that might be found in your DNA. And your DNA is the accumulation of the information handed out for generation of generation. It doesn't mean that you always reincarnate with all of your family members and they're all biologically connected to you. You know, you might have your partner this lifetime that was your brother in a past, in a next, in a, in a other lifetime. But even that, you know, the idea that we sometimes choose a partner that looks like our father or behaves like our father if we're a woman or the opposite, it's basically because we're looking for something similar in the genetic material, in the genetics, in the epigenetics, which are the markers that can come faster than necessarily mutation. So Saturn has always been associated with the father. But if you think about it, and of course Saturn in Greek is Kronos. Kronos comes from the idea of chronicles, of time. So we're talking about father time, and mother, of course, is a lot of time Gaia or the earth. So if you think about the story of the gods in uh, the Greek tradition, because the Greek tradition is amazing stories that are basically talking about personification of archetypes, which makes a lot of sense, especially now that I was in Greece. I was really fascinated by all of these sacred places because every sacred place I tried to learn more about it and to see what gods are associated with that. And my theory about the ancient Greek is that there were certain moments, certain places, sorry, in Greece that are breathtaking, like really unbelievable places. I've been to Athens before, but I've never ventured out of Athens and to other places around Greece. And it is really, maybe because of the tectonic plates that are meeting there, the mountains are really high. The valleys are really low. It's very dramatic. Everything there is very dramatic. It's awe-inspiring, which is basically story-inspiring. And I think that what happened with them is that they could find sacred places and find a story behind the place by inventing this mythology. And then, because this place was sacred, they kept it um, inaccessible for development, you know, even in the old world. So there was, there's all these places that, like Delphi, like Delos, that were kept as they are, not too developed, because they were sacred to this god or that god. So it was their clever way of creating national parks, in a sense, or places that you can't just go and destroy. You have to be very uh, at all or very... A respectful in a sense. So the stories protected the the land, you know. That's maybe what we need to start doing much more, developing our own mythology about Mother Nature so we stop destroying it all the time. But anyway, what happens with uh, the story that I wanted to tell you about is that you guys know very much about the story that happened in the beginning of the ancient uh, Greek mythology. You know, there was Uranus, the god of the sky, who met uh, Gaia, the goddess of the earth, and they 
connected together and had the Titans. You know, they had their kids. The youngest kid was Saturn. Now, the problem with Uranus is that he was sitting very on top of Gaia, on top of his, uh, uh, of his partner. Too much. The skies were really, really tight on Gaia. They, he didn't create any space for the Titans, for his children to grow, which is very, very symbolic. Sometimes you have that in families. Let's say I see it a lot in Turkey, for example, when there's families and their family business. It's much more popular there than other places that I travel to. And sometimes the grandfather is still sitting very hard on his son and on his grandson. They don't want to let go. They don't want to reinvent themselves. They don't want to create new businesses. They're sitting heavy and they don't let their children grow. It's a phenomenon that exists a lot of places. You know, the father is afraid to be dethroned in a sense. And so that happened between Uranus and Gaia until Gaia said, you know what? Listen, I have this thing that can chop, sorry, it's very, very, um, uh, very visual, I would say, chop off penises of uh, gods of sky. It's like the sickle that you can have. Who of my sons want to carry it? And next time Uranus comes too close, you can chop off his um, penis and then he'll jump out of it really terrified and he creates space for you guys to grow. Basically, let's castrate father get him uh, retire so that you guys can start living your life. And the only one that uh, was brave enough to do it was Saturn, who was the youngest. And he did it. We know he did it because out of his uh, testicles, of Uranus's testicle that fell into the sea, Aphrodite came. That's one of her stories of uh, uh, creation. And Aphrodite, of course, is love. It's kind of interesting that out of the sacrifice of the father's uh, testicles, love emerged. The goddess of beauty came out in a sense. And that was a happy end. No, it's not a happy end because right now when the, when the son cuts his father's uh, testicles, sorry, it's very, very graphic, uh, karma was created. Again, Saturn is the lord of karma. Now you understand why Saturn in astrology is the ruler of karma. And what will be karma? Karma needs to be balanced, action and reaction. So what is the next story we have? Well, Saturn may have met Rhea and they made love and they had a lot of kids. What is, what is Saturn or Kronos doing? He's eating his children. So he ate Hera and he ate Dimitri and he ate, ate, he ate sorry, um, every Poseidon and, and we know him also as Neptune. He basically ate all of his children, one after the other. Again, it's very symbolic. His father tried to do the same thing to him. Now he's doing the same thing. It's very much a intergenerational transfer. So, same thing happened. The youngest of their kids, which is Zeus, Rhea actually got an advice from uh, Gaia, from her mother-in-law. And what she did is she gave him a stone to eat. A stone wrapped with uh, diapers of gods, you know. And Rhea smuggled Zeus to Crete. If you go to visit Crete, Mount Ida is where he grew up. And the interesting thing is, if we talk about Capricorn, is that he was nursed. Zeus was nursed by the goat nymph. So that's, again, a pretty interesting story about it. I talked about it quite a lot in the class of Capricorn that we did, that if you can't, and it's also known now today to be true, that if a mother cannot give, cannot breastfeed her baby, the best alternative is actually goat milk, not cow milk. And it's something that probably Rhea and Gaia realized and they knew it. So again, Zeus is raised to be an adult, and then when he had a chance, he gets uh, some kind of a potion from Metis. Metis is wisdom or knowledge or the feminine energy of, it's basically almost like Sophia, and she gave him this 
potion to give his father so he can throw up all of his rest of his uh, brothers and sisters because apparently they were alive inside of him, inside of Saturn. And they waged war, if you heard about it. And then, of course, the Olympian won and Zeus became again the king of the gods. But ancestral karma moves along the way. And Zeus is being told that Metis, his wife, is going to give birth to somebody that might be overpowering him in the future. You see that it runs down the generation. And Zeus hears about that. He hears that Metis is the one that is going to actually give birth to that uh, divinity whenever it comes. So he kind of tricks her to transform into a fly and then he swallow her uh, whole. But she was already pregnant with their daughter, Athena. And what happened is that Metis is thought. She goes into Zeus's head and she basically becomes thoughts. And that thought of, of um, Metis actually gives birth to Athena already clad completely with armor and spear and what does Athena do because she's trapped inside of Zeus's head she starts like you know spearing his head and causing a headache and eventually he had to split his head open and give birth to Athena so you see that this story is repeating itself again and again and again and that's what we call a hereditary curse it's almost as if there's a marker on the gene Maybe it's a mutation, maybe it's some flaw that is repeating and coming down. And in psychology, they actually call it trans, transgener- or transgenerational trauma or intergenerational trauma. And they studied it a lot on Holocaust survivors in Israel and on Native Americans in, uh, in America, in the United States, because they found out that the collective sometimes have a trauma that affects many generations. So they saw it in Israel a lot, that there is a grandmother that might have been in Auschwitz, uh, in the concentration camp, and even though their, her daughter and her granddaughter were born in Israel without that trauma, the trauma somehow passed to them. And that's what we call also epigenetics. So that passes down, that information passes down to future generation. Now, this is really interesting because that could be something you can practically do now. Again, Capricorn is the past. Remember, Capricorn is tradition. Cancer, the healer, is home and family. You see now the connection even in biology between the two things. Intergenerational, that's Capricorn, but in the family, uh, that's cancer. What we know now from epigenetics is that the markers are usually created when your father was in his puberty. So you can go back with your family albums or with if anybody is still alive or if you can research, what did my father experience in his time of puberty? Okay, when he was developing, sorry again to be blunt, his sperm, his testicles. Okay, so what was going on in his life during that time? Maybe he was, uh, there was a war. Maybe there was something that uh, was traumatizing him. Maybe the opposite. He won uh, first uh, prize uh, running for a 13-year-old. I don't know. Whatever it is, that marker was created in his sperm and passed to you. And if you want to understand what did you get from your mother's side, it will be what happened when she was pregnant with you. Uh, For example, I was born in 1968 in Israel. Our whole uh, class, remember, uh, you saw one of my friends from that last week, Verit, we're all monkeys and we're, because it's the year of the monkey, and we're all over the place. We travel a lot. We're, it's really eerie how a lot of people that I was with high school in and elementary school are all over the world, you know, doing really crazy things, to be honest. And it turned out to be that we were all uh, conceived 
during the time of Six-Day War. If you remember, it was in June of 1967. So right after that war, during that war, a lot of people of my year, 1968, at least in the United States, sorry, in Israel, were conceived. So whatever our mothers experienced during the Six-Day War, which was a very traumatic war, even though it ended up in a very sweet victory, it was very threatening to a lot of people here. So obviously it affected the epigenetics of 19, people who were born in 1968. Now you understand the baby boomers and their difficulties because don't forget it was World War II. So it's really important to look back in your family history, even to look at your own children and think, wait, what did I go through in the pregnancy? And what did I, my, my partner go through when he was in puberty, 13, 14? And that also made me think about something kind of disturbing. Because you know that in Islamic tradition, in some places in the world, not everywhere, the idea is to circumcise the, the boy at the age of 13, that is precisely the time that epigenetics is created. Think about the trauma. I mean, the Jews do it at the age of eight days. I mean, God knows what trauma that is. But at least it's not affecting the epigenetics so much, hopefully. But at the age of 13, 14, when, when these boys are actually developing their sperm that they're going to pass down, no wonder there is an issue that could be related to violence, maybe, or to trauma or to some kind of aggression. Again, it's the religion that has forced this on these boys. So, again, this is something interesting to look into. Maybe somebody can eventually do some research on the epigenetics. And if it does uh, relate to some explanation of the aggression, for example, especially lately, what we're seeing more and more. And maybe it's not the issue with the religion itself. Like some people think, oh, Islam is a religion that promotes violence. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's only this specific issue of the circumcision at the age of 13. I'm saying maybe because I really don't know. I'm sure biologists and uh, a psychologist can maybe check that more. But again, whatever your father experienced at the age of 13, 14, Whatever your mother experienced when she was pregnant with you, this is the two lines that are now converging, Capricorn, Cancer. So I just wanted you to maybe think about it a little bit. Uh, don't forget, Gal, which means a wave, is a disturbance of space and time. So my job is to disturb you. The rest, you just do yourself. Let's look at what is happening to um, us this week. So... Uh, we are here on January 2nd. Yes, the new moon is with us right now. We are... I have to, I think, stop. Yeah. Ah, I did it. No, just, you see, the Mercury retrograde is already hitting. Um, January 2nd, we have the new moon in Capricorn. You see that Venus is retrograde, of course, and Venus is on top of, Cap on top of Pluto. She's going to be there even more on March talked about it major transition and transformation shedding in connection to relationships and partnerships that's today but as you can see mercury shifted gears from being in capricorn it's happening just now and maybe yeah it's happening now mercury is shifting gears he's moving from capricorn to aquarius and he's going to meet Saturn very, very soon before he's going to start retrograding on January 13. So knowing that Mercury is going to be retrograding in about 10 days or so, you still start, have to start preparing for it. You know, try to do more things that creates coordination before Mercury goes retro. Um, 
Mercury in Aquarius likes to be in, in Aquarius. Mercury likes to be in Aquarius. Mercury prefers to be in Aquarius than in Capricorn by far. Uh, Capricorn is an Earth sign. The medium of Earth is a little bit more slow. So Capricorn, I mean, Mercury is had to drive in Capricorn. Now he can fly. So obviously information can travel faster when it's traveling there. So we see what we have now in the chart. You look at Mercury, he's zero, zero degrees Aquarius. What did we say? That the first 10 degrees of every sign, transit of every planet, is stronger and essence of it. So right now, Mercury being in Aquarius for the next few days, especially in the beginning of Aquarius, this week, very sharp, very fast. Information travels much better. You're going to get more... Um, more information, more knowledge, ability to communicate is going to be better. You're going to be feeling more eloquent. So more movement, especially with business, especially with friends, especially with making connection. This is a great time to be more social. Because um, also, if you look, Jupiter, zero, zero degrees Pisces, we're also feeling that Jupiter energy much, much better. So uh, this is actually very, very positive. Mercury, left brain, working really well. Jupiter is now in the right brain. Also, a lot of imagination and logic coming together. Mystics and scientists, wedding. So that's actually pretty exciting. If we look at January 3rd, which is tomorrow, the moon is touching Pluto. That could be a little bit more of shedding in relation to emotions or feeling, feeling a little bit more emotional, even though the moon and Pluto are sending pretty good energy to the North Node, which is always really positive. It's always really good. Uh, it means some kind of positive uh, connection to what your soul desires to learn. It's almost as if your soul is going to school and she's doing very well. She's answering all the questions really well and she's coming home very happy. So you're learning a lot of karmic lessons, you can say right now. And remember, we talked about it last week. Minerva and Neptune are one on top of each other in Pisces with Jupiter in Pisces, a lot of activity in Pisces. And that basically means that it's a really good time for dreams, for meditation, for movement, for dance for psychic energy test it you'll see that you're far more intuitive that you can see things before they happen you know that knowledge of knowing things before they before you have a reason to know them is really strong right now really positive uh, but tomorrow we're getting more of that tight uh, opposition it's the only opposition we have right now which is really rare actually that you don't have that much more opposition between mars the god of war and uh, mean, uh, the, the um, black moon which is usually how people see us how other people um, perceive us and you know now that i think about the the worshiping of fire and all the fires in colorado it's kind of disturbing but you know, the Mars opposite to the black moon, again, could be uh, problems or challenges with uh, women especially or how people see you or people perceiving you as more aggressive than you really are. So just be able to say, hey, I'm sorry. Remember, now in Capricorn, it's all about unconditional love, forgiveness, compassion. These are the things that are supposed to guide us right now. So stay true to it as much as you can. The day after is a completely different flow of energy because the moon is moving into Aquarius and it's going to join Mercury and join Saturn in Aquarius. So it's a much more better connection for information, for community, people, groups, more connection also to uh, friendliness with family members. So it could also be very good for um, connecting to families and connecting to family members. The whole idea is uh, making your friends more like family and your family more like your friends. And because your moon is on top of Mercury, it really 
kind of connects you in an instinctual level to information. So again, as Mercury travels in the next 10 days in Aquarius, it's really, really good for the mind. It's as if your IQ is getting higher. And because of all that energy in Pisces, the intellect is in the service of intuition, intuition in the service of intellect. Like I told you, there is a bridge being built now between your left and your right hemisphere. And look, besides that, Mars opposite to uh, the black moon, and the black moon is not really a, a planet or, a, or an asteroid, so it's not a heavenly body. It's a mathematical point. It's really good that we don't have that many oppositions. And we still have all of these beautiful trine and sextiles between the sun, Venus, and Pluto, and Neptune. So that's a good time for us to kind of move things forward right now. Besides that, uh, on, the, on Wednesday, January 5th, we have the moon still in, Pi in Aquarius. Um, you can see Mercury moving forward. Mercury is sending good energy uh, actually to... Um, where is he sending? Actually, Mercury is kind of um, quiet. But we don't have that much change between Tuesday and Wednesday. They're kind of together those two days. The only thing is that the moon, depends where you are in the world, is going to change on Wednesday slash Thursday into Pisces. And that's actually a pretty interesting and a good time. So again, we have something uh, beautiful happening in Thursday, especially in connection to innovation, technology, everything that has to do with uh, a sense of community, but something more peaceful, more calm, just because we have the Sun, Venus, and Pluto all in Capricorn, Earth, and they're sending a beautiful sextile. Sextile is a little door opening. Trine is a big door opening. You know, big doors take time to open and then time to close. So you can sneak in much faster. Sextiles are a little, little bit faster opening and faster closing, but you still can use it because we have this beautiful sextile. It's almost like a beautiful blue triangle happening between Uranus, who is in Taurus, uh, the moon and Jupiter and Pisces, who are in Pisces, in, yeah, in Pisces, obviously, and Neptune in Pisces, which is water, and the sun, Venus, and Pluto in Capricorn, which is Earth. A lot of very feminine energy that has to do with structuring things, building things, more patience, um, more connected to that cancer energy we need right now. Actually, the only masculine energy happening around is that Mars in Sagittarius, which is going to lead us most of the month, and Mercury and Saturn being in Aquarius. Uh, the rest is very feminine, very flowing, very structured, very grounded, and very um, compassionate. And the biggest thing we have this week is Friday, because on Friday we have the moon squeezed between uh, Minerva and Neptune. Beautiful Piscean energy of dreams, meditation, um, flow of imagination, photography, cinematography. You know, you have such a cluster of energy in Pisces, which is all very benevolent and beautiful. The only thing is that Mars is kind of being a party pooper and along with his uh, opposition to the black moon because you can see that the black moon and the moon are squaring. There's going to be the good mother, bad mother. Uh, the good woman that helps you and the bad mother that helps you. Uh, or bad woman that helps you. Or even inside of you, there is something which is going to be very embracing and, and, and calming and good. And some part of you that says, wait, am I being taken advantage of? Uh, are they screwing me over? Should I really forgive them? And what happened if uh, uh, that's going to happen again? You know, so there's the, the black moon. Again, she's not invited to the party and she's making you feel that she's not invited to the party. But again, let go of that black moon. What we have is Minerva, the goddess of wisdom that we just mentioned, Athena, on top of the moon, on top of Neptune, with Jupiter there, blessed by the sun, blessed by Venus, blessed by uh, Pluto, really beautiful 
flowing even uranus the crazy one is joining the good party and he's invited to the party because he's he's creating a lot of spark a lot of magic so friday a great day for dates a great day for creativity uh, even financially could be very positive saturday the moon is moving into aries on top of chiron once a month we have to deal with the moon being on top of chiron it's healing old wounds that have to do with relationship with family members so it's a good time to make some peace there and also, uh, it's a weekend of action and movement, but a little bit too fiery. The good news about Saturday and Sunday is that at least the moon is going to send good energy to uh, Mars. So that's going to flow well. But when the moon now is in Aries in these months, uh, these years, uh, these months, let's say, is it's clashing a little bit with the sun, Venus, and Pluto. So there could be some fight between mother and father or a lack of satisfaction happening Saturday uh, leading up to Sunday. Let's see if there are... Uh, any questions that um, uh, January 5th uh, somebody's marriage somebody's getting married uh, on um, January 5th you know uh, January 5th again try not to be the black moon in that case you know try to be as compassionate as giving as possible maybe the mother-in-law is going to cause some problem and aunt is going to take all the attention and cause some issues you know but you, she's already getting married you're going to change it um what does finish when does finish the good time for relationship it's not that it's finishing it's just in friday it's really really positive so if you can use friday that would be good uh, january 11 january 11 is just before mercury retrograde so it's actually good to do it even though venus is retrograde but you can't do anything about it and you don't want to wait until she's done you know maybe they'll hire somebody else so you always have to be working with um, the planets, but not to get, like I told you, too religious about it, you know. So leave it in the realm of possibilities. Uh, surgery on Monday. Um, Monday is, yeah, before Mercury retrograde is always good to do surgery. Mercury retrograde is going to be officially moving in 13. 13 is next Thursday. So hopefully it can go well. And of course, people are going to continue having surgeries. It's not like you can stop all of the healthcare system because Mercury goes retrograde, but you have to be more cautious, you know, and more patient, you know. Job application this week, yes, especially Friday, could be very, very positive. So thank you very much, guys, for joining me from Tel Aviv every day, every, every place. Next week, I think we'll still be in Tel Aviv. And the week after, I told you we might not do it because I have a class if it happens uh, during our session. Uh, so that's not going to work. But you guys, I sent today a meditation, a, a transit, astral transit meditation, I call it. Play, I, play, I actually recorded it here. Sorry if the air condition starts working in the middle or the heater. Um, but you can read it for yourself as well. It's just taking all of the transits that are happening next year and putting it in a meditation. You can go to my website under learn. Uh, it should be there. It's the last post. Um, so again, thanks a lot. Have a great time. Do ah, Let me copy paste um, that thingy that I told you about. So it's more uh, clear the uh, all the instructions. And that way uh, you can actually um, use it to send. And again, I hope you have an amazing week, everyone. Uh, and I hope to see you in person, maybe even in London, if you are around there. I just put it there so for you to uh, see all the um, information. So have an amazing week and I'll see you soon. 
If not in person, maybe in dream time, thanks to Minerva. Thanks a lot.